The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am super excited to have you join us today while we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Can you even imagine living a life of peace every day? I mean, a life, a, just a day of peace every day. Nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, completeness, totality. Well, I'm here to tell you that yes, it is possible. Yes, you deserve it. And yes, you can have it. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. And today's show is no different. Today we bring to you Mr. Bobby Newt, recording artist Bobby Newt, is that rare artist who is fortunate to possess all the attributes that make a star. Enormous talent, great looks, gregarious and unlimited drive. The type of drive that overcomes adversity. Bobby, a singer songwriter from the San Francisco, California area. He and his brothers were groomed by the Jacksons, earning a record deal at the age of 15 with a successful first album. The label was excited about their potential and planning a big push for their sophomore effort. Unfortunately, the sophomore album would never be released as tragedy struck his family. It was an enormously difficult time for him, for him and his family as his twin brother was gone and his dad was locked up. It was a really bad situation. So Bobby decided to bury himself into his music to escape from the present reality. His submersion deemed to pay off. He became a three-time Grammy-nominated songwriter for artists such as Chris Brown, Latoya Luckett, Omarion, Pleasure P, Ron Isley, and Keisha Cole, just to name a few. Bobby also was the executive producer on Tank's album, Now or Never. Currently, Bobby Newt is set to unveil his very own newly released single, I Trust in You. This song is where he expresses his worship to God for always carrying him through the toughest of storms. Bobby says, find God in every situation. Bobby Newt, welcome to Everyday Peace. Hey, hey, Dr. Drayvon. Thank you for having me. Oh, we are so excited to have you here. We were saying just... I lost you for a second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can. What were you saying? I said we were saying just before the show that change is difficult but necessary. And you 
embody just that. You made some difficult choices in your life that have led you to worship God in a, such a public arena. And before we get into where you are today, Bobby, I just want you to share with the audience just how you became, you know, you were part of the ja uh, groomed by the Jacksons and all of that world and the life that you lived before becoming the man that you are today. Catch us up. Tell us, give us a little bit of the history and how you got where you are. And Yes, yes. So at nine, I recorded my first song um, and that was, a, it was a, it called it a LP. It was a 12 inch. It was Why Do Fools Fall in Love and Stone in Love with You by the Stylistics. That was my first record that I recorded at nine. And then I started to write songs around that time. And my dad would take us back and forth from San Francisco after winning talent shows and street performing. He would take us to LA to try to procure a record deal. And every time we would go down there, we would go to Joe Jackson's office, which was on Sunset Boulevard, and we would just kind of sit outside and just hoping to see Joe or any of the Jacksons so, we, so that we could, you know, audition for him. And so we had gone three or four different times, and finally, my, you know, my dad said he, we were there, we were hungry, and my, my dad said, well, I'm going to go get y'all some, you know, some food. And I, he's like, okay. I was like, we were all like, okay. And then as he left, I was – I was still there, and Joe's door popped open. And I just, when the door popped open, I just ran in the door. And I ran in the door, and, and, and Mr. Jackson looked at me, and I looked at him, and he was like, uh, can I help you? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm here to audition for you. Um, I'm, you know, I can do everything your son can do. I can sing, I can dance, I can, and his son being Michael. So he said, he said, oh, you can. I said, yeah. So he called one of his secretaries. He had to put on some music. And I started dancing because we had watched Motown 25. We had practiced all the moves. And uh, from that point, by the time my dad came, we were in. And Joe Jackson took us on and managed us and helped us record a couple, you know, a couple records and took us to some, you know, some of those conventions that they had back in the days. Um, Little did we know he didn't have, even though he was Michael Jackson's father, he didn't have much power um, because of the way the stuff that went down with his sons. He didn't have that much power. But either way, we still got to meet Michael Jackson. And we did a big show at the Roxy. We, we performed for, for, for three months for 13 hours a day with a live band. Um, I was 11. Me and my twin were 11, and my little brother was five. And we got five stand ovations. Michael Jackson videoed us. We got a chance to go hang out with him when he was still living at the Havenhurst house. It was a fantastic experience, uh, you know, with all the kids. I mean, we're kids from the hood, so you go visit him, and you see these mansions, and they got the pool and the video games, and, you know what I mean, he gives you the big tub of candy, and it was just, it was fantastic. And uh, wow. so me and, my, me and my twin stayed for two more weeks by ourselves. My dad left, and they had, a, they had us with an acting coach, one of Joe's friends, and she was taking us around, and we were, we were doing auditions trying to get in some movies that were going to come out where they needed kids. Um, and I was funny because that's also, you know, they, they interviewed me back in 2007, I think it was MSNBC, asking me, did Michael Jackson try any funny stuff with us? And I said, no, nah, he didn't try no funny stuff with us. My dad was, you know, a hood legend. I think he knew who to mess with. So, we, you know what I mean? They, they interviewed me because I was a kid that said, no, Mike never tried anything, even though I was at his house for two weeks, just me and my twin brother at 11. So that was, you know, that was a... a that was a, a strange thing that happened, but it was, you know, it, it was still all learning stuff about how Hollywood works and all this kind of thing. So cut to 
uh, what was it? Uh, we were 14. Uh, my dad was in jail. Um, he had went to jail for violating uh, pro parole or probation or something like that. And so my, we were living with my mom in Reno, and my dad actually escaped from a a uh, a low. It's like a it's like a, almost like a camp. When you get short on time, they put you in a camp. So he he we we helped actually helped him escape from the camp. Uh, we picked him up in this big Cadillac, and he came out the mountains, and we 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 drove off. And it was funny because I was 14, and I had watched all these movies. And I kept looking in the back window thinking at any time, you know what I mean, the police were going to come and get us because we were on the lam. <laughs> so, but they never, they never did. Um, and, and so while, while my dad was out, he was, you know, he, he, was, he always hustled. He was a hustler. He was hustling and making money. But also we were trying to get a record deal, so we were living off of Crenshaw in L.A., off of Crenshaw Boulevard. And so finally our time came. We had all, did all this rehearsing, recorded all these songs. Uh, we met with Lil Silas from MCA. The boys had just got moved over to Motown, so MCA needed another kid group, and so that opened up a slot for us. And so he he saw a video of us where we had did a live show, and you know back then kids were it was like boy bands; they weren't really performing with live bands. So he thought, wow, like I have the boys, but now I can get these kids who actually can sing live and perform with a band, whole thing. And so that's how that's when we got our first record deal in '89. Um, it was me, my twin brother Ronnie, and my little brother Jay, who's now is Jay Valentine. He's a huge writer, huge. He manages Tank. He's he's really well respected in the music as well. Um, so we do that. We record our first record. We go on a, a, a um, what's called a promotional tour. It was like 26 city tour. Um, the song's doing pretty good. We, we went up to like 26 on the charts. Uh, we did Soul Train. Uh, Donnie it was the video Soul with Donnie Simpson. Um, so where we was from, you know what I mean? That was all that stuff was huge because we had oh, that's it huge. On, Bobby, I want to stop true. you right there. You could be from anywhere, and this is all huge because how many people <laughs> even have and and the nerve or wherewithal? Your dad leaves you somewhere, and you are there, and you say, "Oh my gosh, here's my opportunity. I don't know if this door is going to open up again. It's open now. I'm walking through it." And I'm yep. going to do what I can do, regardless of my dad not being here. I mean, it, that right thing is the stuff that, you know, we talk about you being the stuff that stars are made out of. But that right there is is the ingenuity, the courage that a lot of us in our prime, our adulthood say, you know, wait a second. I got to wait for the perfect this, the perfect that. You're like, the door just opened. I'm right. walking through this. <laughs> I'm doing this. So, I mean, for anyone, it's, it sounds like almost a dream come true, but I hear, I can hear in the background, all of the uncertainties, you know, picking your dad up, uh, he's escaping, you know, having to live somewhere else where he's locked up temporarily and, and all of the uncertainty of, you know, what's coming next. But I also hear right. drive and belief and faith. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so we... So from that point, our, like I said, our record comes out. It does pretty well. We do the promotional tour. Then my dad falls out with the label. Because, see, my, here's what you got to understand. My dad was always a street guy. He was always in charge. You know, he's a gangster. Like, people fear him. Like, and he was deal, doing it the same way out here in L.A. It didn't matter that we weren't in the Bay Area. He was the same guy out here in L.A. So the A&R was afraid of him. So long story short, the, 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 we would go, when we went on the road, we noticed that 
the label was kind of sabotaging us because my dad didn't allow the A&R guy to do his job. So, you know, you can't never be bigger than the corporation. So we got out there, and they were there. We, we would go into record stores, and there wasn't no records in the stores. Like So we were doing all this stuff, and they really weren't giving us the support that they usually give you by putting the machine behind you. And that was because they felt like my dad thought he was bigger than the machine. So anyway, we come off the road. They're getting ready to put out a, a second single. My dad doesn't allow that to happen. He goes up to MCA. He threatens the A&R guy. The SWAT, SWAT ends up coming. Uh, you know, because at that point he was on the run the whole time, and, and, and the label knew. So they called the feds, and the feds came, and they, you know, they, 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 you know, they, they put him in cuffs, and so he went back to jail. He goes back to jail. That leaves us in a, you know, because we got a, you know, two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. That's that was a good amount of money back then. Um, yes. So we, we, yeah, we bought it. We had it. We wouldn't buy a house, but we had a house at Diamond Bar because we were living out outside of L.A. and we. we so we have this house, but we don't have any money. So here's what happened. My, my twin used to hang out with my dad all the time. And so he automatically had, you know, the, 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 the allure of the streets. So with me, I was into basketball and girls. So I didn't, that wasn't my thing. Um, so, so when my dad went to jail, we had the house and we had some cars, but we had no money. And the label wasn't giving us any money because we hadn't started our second album yet. And so, literally, we were about to start. We had actually went in with some big producers, the guys who did Poison for BBD, Spider-Man and Freeze. We had started with them. And literally, my brother had started robbing grocery stores and people uh, with some gangbangers that he had met. And literally, and this is, why, this is where I've, you know, God has shown me that, you know, things happen how they're supposed to happen. You know what I mean? It's really not... You can't, I mean, I can't, can't even be able to always explain it to you, but what I, because I never understood, obviously back then when my twin got killed, I didn't understand how that could happen. But we'll get to how, if that doesn't happen, I'm not telling you guys this story right now. Like that had to happen in order for me to get to this point. Because God looks at, look, look, has a way bigger view than we do. It's like a war and certain things are collateral damage, if that makes any sense. Okay. Oh, Bobby, it does, because on this show, I say frequently, and this is a, uh, how I live my life, everything that happens in our lives has come for one purpose, and that is to bow down and serve us as we carry out the mission that we came to take care of. So whatever that is, you know, some things happen and they're so wonderful, and we say, oh my goodness, this is so great. Why is this happening to me? one reason to bow down and serve you. You can use it for anything that you want to, but this is why it's happening. Even when the things happen that we don't want to happen. I mean, you just said that, you know, no one would want for a loved one, uh, even less a twin to be taken. But now in, in your wisdom and you look back and you say, I realize that if these series of events did not happen, I wouldn't be here having the impact on the journey and the course of, that I'm taking. So it's just wonderful that, I mean, you're able, right now, a lot of times you don't get this kind of wisdom until someone's way, 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 you know, they're looking back and say, oh my goodness, I, did, I couldn't see this. So we're so fortunate that you're right here in the prime of everything and you're able to look back. But you did, I mean, your, your journey started early and it's, mo and it's moving at a rapid pace. You're just conscious enough to watch it as it's unfolding. It, it, it was absolutely insane how, how God does it. So so basically, we, and this is the reason why I was saying that, I was setting it up for this. We, 
So we were supposed to go in the studio to record our second song with those guys, and the, the engineer's dad got sick. So the session got canceled, and when the session gets canceled, my brother goes and robs the store where he gets killed. So that, that like, if you line up, like, how things happen, you're like, oh, wow. That's, you know what I mean? Like, I just, right. and by the way, right. like, this is when they had the show Hard Copy. I don't know if you remember that show where they would show the surveillance yeah. footage. So I basically watched my twin die on TV. It was, it was probably the most traumatic thing that, that, that's ever happened to me. Um, and, and just the way we found out, too, like, we, a girl called me. I picked up the phone. She said Ronnie and Eric got shot. And then we drove around trying to find him in San Bernardino in every hospital. And we saw his homeboy that was shot, but we couldn't find him. And then we went to the police station, and they gave my mom a picture of him in the morgue. And that scream that she did was just, I mean, even still to the day, it, it, I remember it like, you know, like it was yesterday. And it's been probably 30 years now. So it's yeah. just, that was, you know, and from that, from that, I, at the time, was 16. And, again, I told you, all I, you know, all I, all I was into was girls and basketball. So the only thing at that time that I, 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 I just delved into was just women. And so I just, because death had been so close to me, I didn't think I was going to make it to be 21 or 25. Um, and so I just didn't care. And I just, women was the only thing that made me feel, you know, it numbed the pain you know, these sexual yeah. relationships. And so by the time I was 23, I had five kids with four different women. And I yeah. just, I was just, I was a walking, uh, uh, I was just broken. I was in pain and I was calling it pain all over the place with these young girls. And I mean, obviously it took me a long time to really figure out, you know, what was, what was wrong with me and why was I doing this kind of stuff to people? But it was because I was so hurt and I was so broken. So I was, right. you know what I mean? Yes. I was taking all this broken stuff into every relationship. Right, right, right. And, and I love how you put that. The reason that you were acting this way externally is because inside, internally, this was a, a part of you trying to get rid of you, really. You were broken. It's like, I, I'm not whole, so I can't produce anything that's whole. So we, we, we go through this. You get to all of the children. You go through all the women. But all of this time, you're still writing. You're still you're still writing songs and was that all happening at the same time with the basketball and the girls? Yeah, well, well, see that's what was even crazy. When my twin got killed, we basically went from a big house at Diamond Bar back to the projects in San Francisco. So when that happened, that was obviously devastating as well. And so I just started working at my old boys club and I was playing basketball in high school. I went from being on Soul Train to being a regular kid in a matter of, of months. Um, and it was absolutely devastating, and I really, I was, I was really, even though I was hurt, I was really upset at my brother because I felt, I felt like he killed my dream. And yeah. I was the lead singer of the group, and I was the one who had sang all the songs in the studio, and you know what I mean? I had really put a lot of work in, and I, you know what I mean? Like, and I was the one that was always fearless, and I was the one that always, you know, took us to the next, next level. But, you know, when we, we went from a three-man group to a two-man group, and that just doesn't work. So I didn't, I didn't mention that part. Once he got killed, the, the label dropped us. And, wow. so, and of course, you know, we, your we, dad is locked up at this time as well. Oh, yeah. And my dad and my dad is locked up. So that's also something I'm going to speak to, too. He died on my mom's watch, and she never recovered from that. And so it, it, there's more tragedy to it even than, than him. So 
I just, you know, like, so we, so we go back, I'm playing basketball, I'm not doing any music, I'm 16, I basically, you know, I, I stopped doing music for a few years, because now I'm just being a regular kid, and basketball is what I love, it's just basketball and women, and, you know what I mean, I'm just doing that, uh, probably up until the age, around the age of 20, 19, 21, 21, somewhere in that age, and then we, we, we tried to put the group back together with some other members, my dad got out. We started trying to put it back together. We came to New York. We did some things. It was, you know, all independent in small time. Um, <clears throat> but we tried to put it back together, and it wasn't until I came back to, to L.A. Um, and I hooked up with this producer, Damon Thomas, from the Underdogs, who's done so many hit records. Dream, they're, they're, they, they did Dream Girl soundtrack. They did uh, Tyrese, How You Gonna Act Like That. I mean, they, they were the sound of, of pretty much the 2000s for R&B. And so I started okay. writing with those guys, and, I got my first placement on Coco. It was a song called It's So Hard to Say Goodbye, and I had a song on Kevon's album. So that was, you know, that was a long time ago. Um, and then, I mean, it's been so much. Like, you come to L.A., and you don't come to L.A., you got to have other ways to survive. So I would, I would, you know, coach basketball. I mean, it was always basketball, music. And, you know, I, I, know, how to, I know how to work hard. I know how to hustle, you know what I mean, legally. So I just figured out how to stay here, and then I hooked up with, I was then I was a mortgage banker in 2007, I think it was, or 2004. I started it before it crashed, and then it was like I would do these things, and God would be like, uh, I started making a lot of money in the mortgage industry, and God was like, and it crashed because I, I was I was going to love the money, you know what I mean? So it seems yeah. like every time He's guiding me, and and then when these things come out, He'd be like, see, this is why I can't give that to you. Because it, it could kill you, which is why he didn't give us fame the first time. Because I was signed with on NCA with with Jodeci, with Guy, C, with all these different artists, and I look at those artists' lives now, Javon, and I'm like, I wouldn't trade their lives up for mine at all. I'm healthy. Right. You know I'm what I hear? What I hear, and you're a parent, like I'm a parent. But what I hear in that is the love of God so strong that. No, sometimes is the most loving word that you could ever hear. No matter how hard it breaks your heart, that no, no is the hurt. most loving thing. You know, no, I'm not giving it to you. The end of discussion is sometimes the most loving act that some, especially God, when God says no, I'm, or I'm taking it back. I see that, like you said, in the mortgage industry, here comes the money. Right. But here comes the part of your personality that would do you in over the money, that would trade your soul for it. And God says, okay, yep. I'm taking that back. I'm going to close that industry. I'm going to close that door too. You're not ready. I mean, this happened multiple times. And we'll get into the, because we got to get to the good parts too. But the, the, I was, then I was signed to Suge, Suge Knight. So imagine that. Imagine. 2000, 2001, we go to where he is in prison. And we walk around the yard, and I audition for him in the prison. <laughs> now, what was so, that like? <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, I was with my dad. So, you know what I mean? Obviously, there was no fear there because my dad is also a gangster. You know what I mean? Right. So okay. we, 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 we walked. But just, just doing that inside of a prison, again, like you said, it just shows, I mean, like, who, who would do that in a prison? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But, you know, I, at that point, I'm, I'm, I still want to be a star. I'm still trying to get on. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? So right. I go there. We do that. He gets out. He promises he's going to do R&B. He's going to do everything the right way. He ain't going to be doing the gangster stuff no more. 
So he comes out, we in the studio, we working all the time, he's giving us two thousand a month, we got the death row chain. That's his thing. You get a death row chain, you get a monthly that you get, and he gives you a a, a, a car. So I had a Jaguar, like so again, by the world standards, I'm doing great. I got four or five girlfriends. It's you know what I mean? It's it's I'm I'm everything feels amazing. But this is the time that I was telling you about where I was like, Okay, according to the world standards, I was killing it. Right. Jewelry, best clothes. I'm shopping on Rodeo. Um, I got a I got a Jaguar. I'm driving. I got a record deal with Shug Knight, but I could not sleep at night. I could not sleep. There was now, the what anxiety. Was, what was the anxiety I, I, from? Was it from running so many women? What was the anxiety? I, I think from? it was, was definitely. It, so, yeah, I think it was. I think it was just the lifestyle I was living. I mean, I was clubbing. You know what I'm saying? I was. I was. I was just okay. wild. And and yeah, and it was the right. women because I had four or five, and I, and I would make up all my girlfriends. I mean, all of them are my girlfriends, and I'm I'm cheating because none of them know about each other. Right. Okay. You know what yeah, I mean? So I think it was just that I was living, and I was living a lie. Right. You know okay. what I'm saying? So I think without me knowing, and I think it, I really think it was the, the the Holy Spirit in me as well, though, because that's what was keeping me up at night. Because the only time I could go to sleep when I would, when that would happen is if I would pray. Oh, I love it. That was okay. the only way I could go to sleep, if I could pray. And then finally, one of my, I call him my most, my most spiritual friend. He's actually like a brother to me, uh, my, my guy, Brick Stearns. He kept saying to me, because he, he had produced songs with me, he would be like, hey, man, because he knew my lifestyle. He'd be like, hey, man, you should, I got, you should try something different. You should try something different. And he'd be like, you should go to church with me. And I'd be like, man, if you don't go on with that, I ain't going to church. So I fought that probably for like a year. And then... I, I, I met my she well, she was my girlfriend first. I met my wife uh in two thousand a little bit right after death row. I met my wife at Usher's. Well we she came to my house to sing for me first, but then we hooked up at Usher's birthday party at Hollywood Highland, his twenty fifth birthday party. This was two thousand two. And we've been together ever since. We we hung out that night and we've been together ever since. And obviously she went through a lot of stuff with me, a lot of turmoil of me having to change. But even then, I look back on it now, and I realize that God brought her to me because he knew she could, she could be the one to straighten me out. We're going to come right back after this, and it's a good point to, to end on. She could be the one to straighten you out. We're going to come back, and we're going to come back and listen to your single, I Trust in You. Not your single, the premier song in your album, After This Break with Bobby Meek. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back to Everyday Peace. We have Bobby Nuke here, and we're going to listen to his song, I Trust in You. But before we do that, Bobby, I just, and I were saying in the break that I listened to you talk, and I can hear this amazing storytelling technique that you have inherited from your late father, Ron Nuke. So I wanted to say, I, uh, first of all, you are the real deal. And secondly, I want to give you my sincere condolences on the loss of your dad. I appreciate that so much. And my so family does as well. Oh, you're welcome. 
we're going to hear um, I trust in you. And before we get it going, I read a little bit of what um, I know you to say about the song, but is there anything else that we should know from, from the artist as we listen to the song written and sang by you? It, it just, I, I would just love people to, you know, download it and listen to it and let it, let it move you and let it carry you through the storms. This song is written about, you know, me just really leaning into God and trusting him in every situation, in the good, in the bad, it just every, every situation, I, I, I find it in you. That's what I'm saying. I trust you. I believe in you. This is beautiful. So we're going to, we're going to listen to that right now. I trust in you by Bobby Newt.
now my search is over. I found it in you. Now my search is over. Found it in you. There's nothing too hard. I trust in you. When all hope seems lost, my face is you. One and only, my God. I believe in you. Lord, all that I need, I find it. Oh, there's nothing too hard. I trust in you. When all hope seems lost, my face is you. One and only, my God. I believe in you. Lord, all that I need, I find it. In you. There's nothing too hard. I trust in you. When all hope is lost, my face is you. One and only, my God. I believe in you. Lord, all that I need, I find it. In you. Oh, I, oh, I, I find. it uh, it's amazing and I as I'm sitting here with my eyes closed listening to it for I don't know 1500 time <laughs> um and having heard you tell your story in the first part of this show Bobby it is even more impactful to me but I gotta tell you what it's so easy what I hear you say I trust in you it's so easy to trust in the pain and, and the bad memories and the hurt and the people who disappointed you in the get back and the revenge. It's so easy to trust in all of the other things that would bring us more misery ultimately. Mm. But would, would I, I would get I would think and I know this from my own life, there are sometimes more people who rally you to do the things that are continuously killing you then to turn then there are people who will tell you turn to god and wait how i know you had that one friend that was saying come go to church come go to church with me but were there any other people in your life who were pushing you in that direction to say bobby okay you got four or five girlfriends you're out here you're doing this that and the third i want you to slow down i want you to try jesus was there anybody else in your life that was doing that he was the only one <laughs> yeah Everybody else was everybody else was rolling with the things of the world. When they that's why now I know too, when they say that the road is narrow, I wholeheartedly believe that. The road to heaven is narrow because there are not a lot of people that are trying to champion that road. <laughs> you are so right and, and that's where I was going with it. The road is narrow. There is not a lot of champions and cheerleaders on that road. People will support you when they see you out here and they'll, you know, they can even love you, but they don't have the courage or maybe they don't have the knowledge or the strength to say, Hey, I may not have done it for myself, but I would like to see you at least try it. So I am thankful to the person that led you to the place where you could try find true healing. And I'm so grateful to you for the people 
that you are leading to true healing one step at a time, because I know it wasn't easy. You can start on the road and make the decision in this moment and then life smacks you in the face, right? And you turn back and, and, and it sounds like it for you, you know, your destruction of choice. And I'm sure they were lovely women. So it was nothing against the women, but that was where you went to. That was your replacement for God. So yes, things happen. And, and there are women who are listening to this too, who know that that's, that's their replacement for God too. Things happen and they run right back to where they shouldn't be, right to the source, because that's what they know. Right. That's right. What they know. And so that that's, like I was saying, you know, at the end of it, you know, God put something in front of me. And, and what people have to know is he's always walking with you, always. He's always there in the good, in the bad, and he's always trying to give you a way out. That's the other thing. Now, we don't always take that way out but he's always trying to give us a way out of sin, always. And so for me, when I walked into that church, that, that was, I just, I felt joy there. I felt peace there. And obviously that I wasn't just, you know, no one's perfect. I'm still not perfect, but I, I then was ready to try. You know what I mean? I was ready to try to make some life changes. And so from that point on, I, I, uh, I was able to become faithful to who, she was my wife, but she was my girlfriend at the time, so she's my wife now. But she's my girl. I was able to be. She was the first woman I was ever faithful to, and that's what gave me let gave me hope that I could be in a marriage. And so I was faithful to her for one year, and then we got married. We drove to Vegas and got married because my mom didn't think that she was young. She was like 22, and I was uh, 30. And so my mom was like, uh, I don't think she's ready to be a wife. And her parents were like, you going to marry a dude with, you know what I mean, four baby moms and five kids? Are you out of your mind? And so so we just went to, to, to Vegas, and it was between me, her, and God. And it's been, you know, obviously anybody that's married, married, they know that that is real work. But And we worked, and the work is two people becoming one. That's the work. Uh, being up, being able to remove pride, move pride to the side, move your ego to the side, to really get in there and learn how to communicate. To to you come in this relationship with all this baggage, you know what I mean, with the way you used to deal with things. But in a marriage, because it's between you, her, and God, now you have to use the tools that the Bible gives you. You know what I mean? Remove the pride. You know, doing everything in love, do it and enjoy. Trying to be the peacemaker. These are the things that have helped me to be faithful to my wife and also to be a good husband, to be a good father. And these are things that now I have been working on and, and trying to be more successful at for the last 15 years. And so that is the, the, the fruit of it all is that everything that we talked about comes full circle to this point. And at this point, I can honestly say that I've been faithful to my wife for 16 years. I'm a really good father. I work a real job as well as doing music to take care of my family, which was another thing, you know, that obviously most musicians are not going to go do that. But it, it's another level that God said, listen, I need you. This is what I need you to do. I need you to let it go. I need you to let it go 100%. And I let it go. And now he's prepared me to come back and do music only for him, which is what my gift was meant to be. That's what it was meant to be from the beginning. Oh, Bobby, you have said so many 
things in this in that right there. We could have just done that. And I think it would have just fed the whole listening audience right there. Married, been faithful, but, and people could hear on one end, oh, it's easy for Bobby because he's this big time celebrity and he's got these nom Grammy nominations. He's got all this talent, but marriage between two humans is difficult whether you're Bobby with all the talent or whether you're somebody who's just working a regular nine to five and trying to put ends together. And it's just, it's challenging. Just like any other relationship, you got people who you hope they're on the same agenda, but they have their good days, their bad days, and somewhere in between there, they're trying to keep tugging this life and tying this life together. And it can be challenging. But the thing that I love that you said is that you're pursuing your dream. You're pursuing your dream, pursuing being a dad, being a husband, and all of it has required you to do a phrase that I absolutely love that my mom used to say, the and then some, meaning that all of this, in, in order to keep it together, you're even having to work a traditional job so that you can, or, or had to do that at one point, I don't know if you're still doing it, but do that at one point so that you can live your peace, your balance, your balance to be able to be the breadwinner, also to be the creative mind that you are requires the and then some. And you can't do it without God being in control. Right. And the other thing that, that I want to add to it too is you realize that those things that you just spoke about, that the family, the good relationships, the peace, the joy, those are the real riches. And that's what people miss. It's right in front of you. You got to see it. You know what I mean? That you, we miss it too because we're not in a third world country that you have a house. I mean, you have a roof over your head. You have clothes. You have shoes. You have, you know what I mean? Like we, you have some type of transportation. We, we out here in LA, you need to have a, you know, a Benz or a, you know what I mean? We just, it's right. really sad and you get caught yeah. up. And so that is the, the, that's what God has shown me. Like, listen, man, the things and the stuff don't matter. They all, that all fades away. That, that don't matter. The moments matter between you and your wife and your kids, the, the experiences, the, you know what I mean? Those things that you guys have peace, you got joy. Everybody's in their right mind. No one's sick. Mm. Like these things are, these are the gifts that we miss. Right. That's the priceless stuff. And, and so, here's another thing that I get, Bobby, not to cut you off. You were willing almost to give that all away. And when you open your hands up to say, my commitment is to relationship. First relationship with God, then relationship with my wife and, and with family. And that's when the peace and the restoration of all of this other stuff comes because you said, I surrender everything. I surrender. If I have to choose one thing, I choose the creator of all things. Yep. I'm not going to choose just the bins because it will just be the bins. After a while, it's going to rust. Things are going to fall apart. I'll choose the creator. And through the creator, my love and my attention and my focus and my dedication to the creator, then I'll be fed the other things, the relationship first and then the material. It's beautiful. This is beautiful. This is the formula, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, you said you said it all. Because if you have, if you're in right relationship with him, then those other relationships are easier. Yeah, they are easier. 
easier. So you go into this church, and I'm just trying to get this picture in my mind because I, I know that there is a listener today who needs to embrace change. Who needs to embrace mm-hmm. change? They need it. They need a they need a night's sleep. They need to stop running from the things, from the enemies that are inside of them. They need a break. Mm-hmm. And that break I know and you know comes from relationship with the Father God. But so you go into this church and is it instantaneous? I mean, you just go in and right then or someone, what happens? Do you go up for prayer? How, how do you know that I am home? No, when I, no, when I walked in, I felt it. I felt that that was where I belonged. But obviously God needed to tear off many layers. It's not going to, there's no instant, you know this, there's no instantaneous right. purification. It just it just doesn't work that way. We are we are born in sin, and you got to think of it like any condition. It took a long time for me to get that way. You know what I mean? So it's obviously going to take some time for God to work on me and tear it off piece by piece. Bobby, there goes the womanizing. Bobby, there goes the pride. Bobby, there goes the wanting to be famous. There goes the wanting to be worshipped. There goes the, you know what I mean? There goes the love for I money. I love it. There's I love the, it. Oh, yeah, I, he, you did. You know, <laughs> huh? We're on the radio, and you don't want to shout. But everything that you're saying, I want someone to really hear that. Do not condemn yourself when you feel as though you've been pulled. You know, you're in the right spot, and you, and then you go back and you do what we call backsliding, whatever that is. I don't like to give it a title, but you go back and and do what feels natural unnaturally, right? Mm-hmm. When you know better, you do better. You've gotten the call. These things have to. They you have to release them. You don't punish yourself. You just stand back up in yourself and say, I give this to God. And you keep going. That's, That's right. how you become the man of God, the yes. one woman of God. That's how you do it. You don't do it instantaneously. You don't walk in there. You know, the sky may part, but you still got to contend with what's going on in your earthly life. That's a process. But 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 see here, and here's the key to that too, though. And this is what I think God knew. Uh, he knew I was tired. You got to be yeah. tired. You got to want to change. And then you got to just confess those, your deepest, I mean, he knows anyway. He knows your heart, but he just wants you to bring it to him and say, God, please take this from me. Please. I don't want to do this no more. And then when you do that, he'll help you. I don't care what it is. You could be an alcoholic. You could be a drug addict. You could be, it don't matter what your sin is. Everybody has a vice. Just say, God, please take these vices from me. Take them from me. I don't want them no more. And he'll help you. He'll help mm-hmm. me. Help you. Because that's what he did for me. I, I, man, when I tell you I love women, three or four at a time, I loved them. All of them. And now I can, I can control myself. That's what it's about. Discipline. Self-control. That's what the Bible teaches. Right. Discipline and self-control. And, sur- and first and foremost, to surrender it to God, because when you confess it to God and say, I'm powerless in this, but for your help, but for your help, I would die in my sin. And that then you give God permission to step in. You say, I'm surrendering. I give you permission to step in and to heal this part of my brokenness and go into forgiveness into that space. I'm so grateful for your journey. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. If that producer hadn't had an emergency that day, all those many years ago, this part of this story framed exactly the way it is today, being of service to someone else through your story, through your life. 
would not have taken place. There is no chaos in the universe. I truly believe that. So we have about six minutes left in everything that you're doing. I don't want our audience to miss the opportunity to get to know you through your music and through any other, whatever else you're doing. So I want to just take a moment right here and stop and ask how people can get your, your music, how people can connect with you. Are you, What are you doing that people are going to see you and be able to be in your presence? Well, <clears throat> for now, I mean, you can, people can get my music. Um, just put Bobby Newt on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, it's on Tidal. It's on every major platform. You can put Bobby Newt and my music pops up, Google Play, Amazon, all those places. Um, I have some videos on YouTube if you just put in Bobby Newt. My um, song, um, uh, actually, the I Trust in You video is probably going to drop in a couple weeks, but I have a song called Delivered. That's my testimony. That's fantastic. That's a video on YouTube and a, a song called Hey Little Homie. Um, that's for the, for, the, for the younger generation and me saying, like, if, you know, basically, if you don't know no better, you can't do no better. And so I'm teaching the young boys, like, I've been through that, and you, I, this is what it is, and you don't have to go through that. There's something better. Um, and so, and, and, and if anyone wants to, to reach me, uh, they can email me, you know, for bookings or speaking engagements or anything like that. It's rnewt, R-N-E-W-T-74, at Gmail. That's wonderful. And I got to say that the the video delivered is beautiful. Well, it's just, you. it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I watched it with my college student and my high school student, and we were just amazed. We watched it a couple times, and, you know, <laughs> we're the kind of family that sits down and critiques every little thing. <laughs> Do you believe that really happened? Do you think it was, a, it was just really, really nice, uh, nicely done. Yeah. The song is beautiful. Know. Yeah, so let, let them know it's all true. Let them know yes. like that that's my that was my life. That was every person that were were playing parts of me, like the little kid was me in the kitchen. That was me as a teenager with all the women, and then, you know, as a young adult. And then that was me, you know, all, all those giving the guy a hug and being, you know, with my getting to be with my wife. And that's the whole story, pretty much, in that song. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was that. That was, you know, obviously that song is very dear to my heart. The interesting thing about that, and, and we talked about all that. Of course, I had done research and everything. I told my kids, I said, this is most likely his story, what I'm seeing here. And the interesting thing that came up in our dialogue about that was that people can will watch uh, the video and get different things. This is entertaining as well. But I encourage people to watch the video because it will it does something for you and you and I were talking Bobby during the break I, you know I come from a family that sat around at Thanksgiving time and people would tell stories about you know where they've been what they've done and a lot of it was humorous and it was entertaining but at the end of that story it was always this lesson is that I didn't sleep at night because of the decisions that I made I tell you this story because I, I want you to sleep at night I want you not to be in the position that I was in yeah, God brought me through, but you don't have to pay the same price for the same peace that I now have. That's why I'm telling you the story. You'll make your own problems and you'll make your own decisions. You, you know, we, all of us have some cross to bear, but you don't, when someone is kind enough as you have been today, Bobby, to share and bear their soul and how they embrace change, I encourage each and every one of us not to waste that to look through that story and find parts of ourselves and say, thank you. 
I think I can learn from your lesson and I can trade that sin of choice for the love of God in that part of my life. That's what you did for me today. And I know it's what you did for a lot of our listeners today with not only with your song, but with your story. Well, so, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, that is my whole goal is to, to, you know, from this is to travel the world, sing my song and tell my testimony in hopes, like you said, that it would reach especially our youth and that they could hook up with God way earlier than me. And I'm sure the same with you, way earlier than you, and that he could, you know what I mean, come in and fix all the broken pieces so that they could live with peace. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, and I would ask you if you could just give, we have about two minutes left, what about less than a minute. Uh, what would be one thing that you would say to men who are still struggling with this, with this replacement of women for God in their life? They're still struggling. What would be one tip that you could give them to help ease their way through that? The men who are trying, who really know that I'm uncomfortable here. I got anxiety over this. I would implore them to <clears throat> find a Bible study, find a church, open that Bible, and to really create a, a dialogue and, and really find your love for God because he is the one that can hold you accountable. Perfect last words. Find your love for God. Bobby Newton, thank you. And for our listening audience, much peace every day. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.